0: Go 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 birthday we're going to so things sound a little different this time yeah she made me do that so 15 years for one voice we're celebrating a really big birthday right now um number 1 i can't believe you're even that old because you look amazing right <laughs> But 15 years as we celebrate the organization, we look at so many amazing
1: years. What are some really big highlights that just stick out in your mind? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest one for me really is looking back to my first international tour when I launched my book in East Africa. That was so special to me just because it was like I was the first voice there Mm -hmm. um, in Uganda just addressing sexual abuse and human trafficking ever for that country. So it was a real honor. And then um, the most memorable part of that trip was, so my book, Hush, was published in East Africa. And after I was finished speaking, I was speaking alongside parliament, doing press conferences with Supreme Court justices and things. I finished speaking at this huge forum, and then the first lady of Uganda, Janet Museveni, unveils this like six foot tall replica of Hush. And what? that was like crazy. Cause I didn't even know that was gonna happen. Wow. And then basically just presented it to her country as their top resource on sexual abuse. So that was just awesome because I didn't even know that was coming. Um and it really I think gave me confidence to continue to take risks and do things, you know, internationally in other places, which you know, now we know all the work that our nonprofit's doing. Yeah. Um, so that's been another part of it, I think, for me, was having, I guess, been to these other nations and, and just had the courage to step into those stories and, and meeting the girls in the brothels and things, but then to bring it back to the states um, and make a difference not only on sexual abuse, but human trafficking. Another big one, which you always remind me of when oh, we're boy. speaking... Um, <laughs> So, you know, now, obviously, we don't just speak about sexual abuse. We speak about human trafficking as well. So we often do trainings and how can you be involved and make a difference and um, just encouraging people to be part of the solution. And um, I always forget to tell the story of Yum, the mom. Yes. who, You know, I, I always share her story of how this woman who was tricked into selling her two daughters into trafficking, became just the the pain that birthed the nonprofit to I wanted to make a difference. I didn't want another mom like Yem to go through the pain of losing her children to sex traffickers. And so I tell her story because it's so painful, but it also shows, you know, how purpose comes out of pain. But over time how Yem's story was so hard for me every time i would go back to cambodia just seeing her was just so much grief and i i remember coming back from that trip a couple years ago and saying i think she needs to give up hope that her daughter is going to come back because i really believed that she was dead and it was hard for me to speak those words because it was such a Give up, you know. I I don't like to give up on things, but so, anyways. Only a couple months after I spoke those actual words to you, Mary. Yes. Then we got the phone call that said that her daughter was returned, and that was just so amazing. Just to remember that there's always hope, and that was a a really favorite moment of mine. Just to just to have hope renewed. You know, when you do this work long enough, fifteen years can really. You know, it can wear on you. Yeah. It can, it can weigh you down, and there's so many hard stories. I mean, the number of stories that I literally carry is hard to fathom, and it's it's taken time for me to learn how to not own those stories and how to not let them really change me for the worst. And I think that that story when Yem's daughter was returned really gave me the fire I needed to keep going. So I think those two stories. Definitely are some of my top moments. Also, just doing big conferences. I love doing like Soul Fest and you know music conferences or working with Billy Graham Association and you know having huge bands that I've loved for years open for me was always so cool. Yeah. But the biggest I think has just been hearing so many stories from survivors. I mean that's that's the best moment. That's why I do this. So hearing. And being the recipient and the holder and the keeper of so many secrets that people share for the first time has been an incredible honor to me. And, you know, the people who write, those survivors that are listening, who've written to me, read my books and have reached out is just made this journey worth it.
0: You've had such an incredible journey just hearing those little nuggets right there. And, of course, I have to ask, what are some of the biggest challenges you've experienced? Mm
1: -hmm. I think from the Gates people telling me that I couldn't do it, you know, even family members saying, you know, this, this isn't the normal way of finding a career after college, right? (laughs) (laughs) So That, you know, I had to overcome that. and, And I had to believe in myself that I could pioneer something that no one else was doing. And, you know, I didn't have a PhD behind my name and that my story was, was strong enough, was good enough, was something that God could use despite any letters I had behind my name. So um, I think that was the beginning challenge. Also, just, you know, starting your own um, organization as a 21-year-old girl. um, You know, I didn't have a lot of income. I was substitute teaching when I wasn't able to get a speaking engagement, and I was living in my grandmother's attic. Okay,
0: (laughs) here's the deal. Like, you need to paint the picture Of you living in your grandma's attic because there's a lot more little things that go with it that just make this such an incredible story. This is true. This is true.
1: Okay, so um, just as I'm graduating college, I'd already started speaking, you know, a little here and there. And so, and that's a big part of what got me here was um, when you have a passion to do something, you're willing to do it without pay for a little bit. You surround yourself with people that know what they're doing. You network, you, you offer yourself to be used however you can be used. And so, Um, I remember as a senior in college just volunteering at the local rape crisis center, domestic violence shelters, um, just being used at the hotline. And eventually I was going out shadowing the woman who would present in local schools about sexual harassment and abuse and things like that. And so that's kind of where I got started um, because I said to her, finally, I said, I think these kids would respond to a real life story better than just a PowerPoint presentation. And so she said to me, well, if you can find a survivor who's courageous enough to do that, you just let me know. And I just was like, Uh, gulp. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll do it. And then that's really where it, it took off as, as hard as it was for me to tell my story. Um, the, the amount of students who came forward with their own stories was remarkably different. I mean, they were coming out of the woodwork. So that is where it all began. Well, so then after I graduated, I then began um, trying to do more. And it seemed like every door I walked through – God would open another three doors or something. Mm. It was just a snowball effect of of being willing to take the risk as hard as it was. So, anyways, I graduate college. I need I'm working on this organization. I need a place to stay. My parents don't believe in graduating college and moving back home, which <laughs> I was like really annoyed by, but now I appreciate. So my grandfather had just passed away and my grandma. And I are pretty good buddies. So she offered to let me stay with her and help take care of her. Meanwhile, you know, I got free rent. So that worked out. Now, my bedroom was the attic, (laughs) the little house, right? Yeah. And, um... My internet was the old AOL dial-up. Dial-up that did the... And it took forever. But the best part is the 100-foot cord that went from (laughs) downstairs all the way around the staircase up to my attic little tiny office slash bedroom. And while I'm on a phone call with the university, let's say the dean of students at Ohio State or something like this, I'm on the phone talking to them about speaking at their school this year, Grandma picks up the phone downstairs <laughs> and says, "Hello." Yeah, she's trying to call her friend Ethel in West Virginia. But <laughs> so then I have to apologize to the dean of students and explain my situation. So that was always a fun challenge to start off with. Um, and then too, I, I just I can remember a million scary hotel rooms I've been in. I mean, honestly, oh. those challenges were not funny. Driving cross country by yourself? This you did that for true. a long time? Yes, for a long time, which yeah, that was that was hard. I never wanted to stop in the middle of the night because I'm always driving late. I mean, I did pee <laughs> ah! in a Panera cup.
0: <laughs> While you were
1: driving, I was so hoping you wouldn't share that story. Yeah, sorry. Well, people need to know. I mean, that's not a challenge. That was a choice but I'm productive. Yes, you are. <laughs> Every moment matters and yes. I wasn't gonna stop at some scary gas station and go pee that yeah. night, so whatever. I get it. Um. Well, even now we drive cross country. I mean, now that I have you, I'm so <sighs> grateful and that really honestly is my favorite moment now. Like being able to work alongside my best friend is amazing. Thank so, you. Thank, yes, thank you. <laughs> and, and just having the fun that we have is so great. It makes it all worth it. It helps keep me going for sure. Um, but we've had our challenges. I mean, but again, it's a choice. You're the one that made us drive 14 hours through the night. It's,
0: uh, I mean, I have another job, you know, being in the radio business besides just doing this. And that's right. I had already taken some days off and our flights got delayed and canceled and this and that. And I just had to make an executive decision, (laughs) get off the phone with the travel agent or whoever you're talking to. We're going to drive 14 hours through the night. Instead of flying. Right. right. We slept 45 minutes at a um, rest stop, which wasn't safe, but we were together,
1: so we weren't alone doing that. And then
0: I made it. We
1: literally (laughs) pulled in the the parking parking lot of the radio station, and I pushed her out of the car, and she went right on the air.
0: You just do what you got to do. It's just survival mode. And, you know, that Mm -hmm. also makes me think about... Us having kids at home and traveling and doing
1: this work, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. And I think I've just had to learn you make every moment count. So, you know, when we're in work mode, we really are in work mode. We don't mm-hmm. forget about our kids. But, you know, we, we really work hard when we're together and we're productive. But when we're with our children, we make that count, too. Um, so it's a lot of a balancing act. And I honestly don't think anyone ever gets that figured out if you're a working mom or a working parent. But um, yeah, that's definitely been a challenge. Things were certainly easier before I had these kids. I Honestly, I remember writing my books, having a baby in a pack and play next to me while I'm writing on my computer. Wow. I mean, you you make it work or you give up. And I have just never felt like giving up. The challenges have been hard, um, but I've always seen a solution to them. There's, I feel like if you really are passionate enough and you wanna do something well enough, you will figure it out. And it's always been like that. I feel like I've called on God's help so many times to just say, (laughs) I don't know how to do this, but you keep giving me more dreams and more visions. And if you're gonna keep doing that, I have to keep finding ways to make it happen. (laughs) And so it always has worked out.
0: Okay. So there are not a lot of people out there doing what you've been doing for so many years Mm -hmm. and through uh, the struggles in life and, you know, trying to build the business and running it and kids and all of that.
1: How in the world do you keep doing what you do? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I ask myself that question all the time (laughs) because I feel like I should be so tired and I am tired, but it's like When I am doing what I feel like I've been called to do, I feel so much purpose. I feel so fulfilled. Yeah. And it energizes me. So as hard as all the travel is on my body and my mind and everything else and on my family, um, when I'm doing what I'm doing, it's just like everything changes for me. And um, I get more passion to do it again and I get Mm -hmm. excited. Um, But also... It's the survivor stories. I mean, if I didn't feel like I was doing anything by raising my voice, it wouldn't matter anymore. I would lose my passion altogether. But it's like every single time I open my mouth, I write something, that's when the light comes on for someone else. And they're able to tell their story for the first time and find their own freedom. Um, That brings me so much joy to see that happen and to be used on the healing journeys of so many other survivors is just um, such an honor to me. And it just makes me want to do it more and more and more. And um, I think that's been the beauty of this work um, of just seeing how, you know, God has freed me of my pain and my shame so that I can free someone else Mm -hmm. out of their prison. And that is definitely what's kept me going. Another thing that's really kept me going is learning to live, I think, with my eyes wide open. So I've always felt like I've been looking at what God's doing around me, where he's opening those doors. So I mentioned earlier, I felt like when I started One Voice 15 years ago, like he was opening these little doors for me to share my story. And when I would courageously walk through it, a couple more would open past them. Mm -hmm. And then I walked through that and it would just keep happening. And so I would watch for those doors, but I would also watch for closed doors and doing that, living with my eyes wide open at where he was at work, helped me feel like I wasn't alone in this work because I was really the only one doing this, especially at my age, um, speaking out and writing books. But I felt like we were in this sort of partnership, Mm -hmm. God and I, and I wasn't, out there trying to make this stuff happen for myself. He was making it happen, and I was watching him do it, and I was just his willing vessel. And the dream was always to see some sort of a Me Too movement happening, but back then it wasn't. Yeah. So public. I mean, it was happening every single time I stepped off of a stage, and I would always say there's so much power in just saying Me Too. You know, when I would step off a stage and someone would squeeze my hand or they've done it to you too and just Mm -hmm. said, me too. I mean, they don't say anything else but that. And I know that God meets us in that moment. And that's where our healing starts. And so it's always been about me too. It's always been about the power of that statement, those two little words. Um, that's been going on for 15 years for me. So what people are finding a lot of courage and passion and mm-hmm. motivation for now, that has kept me going since 2003. <laughs> also, believing that God is good even when life isn't. mm uh, for me, it's been, you know, a lot of doing things on my own, figuring things out, failing a ton, taking huge risks and you know, they not paying off, being too vulnerable sometimes and getting hurt. So I think one thing that's kept me going is just having that foundational belief that God is good, even when life isn't, even when things go wrong, even when I make mistakes. Um, I've always been willing to feel pain. And to be broken by God, because I know that when I'm broken, I mean, that's when God's light can shine into those cracks. And I've seen him do it over and over again, where as painful as that is, there's always something good that comes out of it where, you know, purpose is born. I I get new vision. It's like I have to be broken in order Mm -hmm. to receive that. But it takes a lot of courage to do
0: that (laughs) because you're doing it over and over and over again, you're never
1: done showing up. <laughs> that's so true. And how much power there is in just showing up. And for me, I, I think I have this foundational belief that's kept me grounded. I can have my head in the clouds mm-hmm. and be dreaming all these things, but I'm still grounded because I know that you know God is good. He is in control, and He's going to do something with my pain. So I believe that life in general, especially if you're a believer. Um, And ministry, Christian ministry Mm -hmm. especially, is about constant transition and new paths being formed constantly. So how you navigate transition and whether you give yourself over to going through pain or going through transition um, to become who you're supposed to become. In order to give birth to what you're supposed to give birth to, I think the level that you're willing to give yourself over to that change or to the breaking is the level at which your your effectiveness will be determined. Um, it's that surrender. Like yeah. how much are
0: you willing to surrender just a little bit? Yeah. You are just kind of putting your toe in. Or are you going all in? And I yeah. think that's what you've done so much in in your journey.
1: I do think that. And I don't say it to sound prideful. I mean, it's been a lot of risk. And and in doing so, there's been a lot of reward because some of it has paid off. But there's also been a lot of loss. There's Mm -hmm. been a ton of grief, a lot of things I regret. But where I am today, I'm really happy about. I feel very proud of what I've been able to accomplish with God's help and his direction. And Um, Had I not taken those huge risks and made those mistakes, you know, I wouldn't be as wise as I am now or I wouldn't have accomplished as much Mm -hmm. or, you know, this whole anti-trafficking nonprofit would never have been started. That was the biggest one of having my heart broken was being willing to pray that God would use me for those who've been enslaved and then being willing to go when he opened the door Mm -hmm. and then being completely wrecked, like stomped on (laughs) feeling like coming back from that, having more PTSD than I ever imagined, even from my own abuse, going to counseling again, that being hard, because now you're digging up more stuff. I Mm. mean, but would I go back and do it again? Yeah, I would. I definitely would. Um, Because now the amazing things that are being done around the world, working with my best friend to Mm. do it. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. all so worth it. And, you know, I think A lot of people don't want to embrace change or embrace their own pain because of insecurities or fears or whatever. But when you let those things rule your life, your ministry and your purpose can become really stale and stagnant. So I think for me personally, the degree to which I've been able to just move um, organically with what I see God doing as I keep my eyes open to where he's at work and where he's not You know a big part of that is cutting off the areas where he's not at work Mm -hmm. and not putting your energy in that kind of stuff anymore it's not worth it it's dead so you look at where god is at work where fruit is being formed and that's where i want to start planting more seeds and i've i've just seen it happen over the last few years and it's just really i mean rewarding you're so
0: smart and old and wise it's just
1: (laughs) you have more gray hair than me though (laughs)
0: hey but for real you have a lot of wisdom and i i respect it a lot so what does the future look like at this point like what are you scheming
1: what are you thinking what are you dreaming i know i've always got something don't i (laughs) something cooking i know and i can see it when i walk into your office sometimes you're like oh great i know now what she want me to do let me see that notepad (laughs) what did i commit to yeah yeah that's hilarious well i don't know Honestly, as much as a dreamer as I am, I I know, I hate those like five and ten year plan things oh, that yeah. people come up with. Um just because for me it's like if you have a dream or something and it doesn't work out or you know, your dream's somehow shattered, you can just feel so discouraged oh, and yeah. can shut you down. Um, you know, we've had enough big shattered dreams happen within this organization that some people would just throw their hands up and walk away you know it's too hard and but so that's why i don't like to look at that (laughs) i like to look at what's next like what's going on around me you know and there's a there's a bible verse that says we can dream and devise our own plans but god's plans will always prevail and they're always good. They're never for evil. His plans are to pro- prosper us and not to harm us. To give us hope in a future. So, when I have these like setbacks with like the long term thing, mm-hmm. I've changed my perspective to look at it as a setup for a comeback. Um. So for me, it's like let's look long term. Uh, but let's not plan for that. Let's plan for the next step is how we're gonna get there. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time, I guess, looking at the end game. It's more about, and I do share my big dreams with you. Like you I'll do, share yeah. my big dreams with my like inner, inner, inner circle for sure, <laughs> and probably annoy you with like, okay, how's no. she gonna make that happen? No. But the big dreams I don't want to share publicly. I want to see it all happen as I'm, like, doing the daily grind. Like, yeah. I want to share the daily grind with everybody. And mostly because I don't want to miss what is happening right now because it can change so much. So, I don't know. For me, it's this – my pastor talks a lot about it's right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. It's one step at a time. It's – um. You know, I've always talked about in Hush, I I wrote a lot about how the healing journey looks like a long, dark, windy tunnel with a pinpoint of light at the end. And the light is our hope. It's what we're striving towards. That's like the five and 10 year goal or the lifetime goal, really, because healing is a lifelong journey. But what's it look like right now? Where's my next step? What is on that path? Is there a snake right in front of me? You know, does the path like split? at the next step I have to take, like I can't always look at that light. I have to look at what is next for me. And um, so a lot of this work has never been about stats. It's not been about a full event calendar busyness, right? Um, I just want to be a good steward of my pain and I want to walk out my purpose. I want to see fruit where God's calling me to plant seeds And I think the big picture works itself out Mm -hmm. as you're doing the daily grind. Because then, before you know it, honestly, I didn't even realize it had been 15 years until just a little bit ago. It just went by. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm looking back and I'm thinking about all the things just doing day to day. And before you know it, it becomes 15 years. We've been on four continents, you know, 42 states in America. It's just, it blows my mind how... We can have our plans, our long term plans, Mm -hmm. but they may not work out. And then you get disappointed and give up. But if you look at the little things, it's amazing how eventually you'll look back and you'll see, you know, that what we were striving to do, what we hoped could happen actually does happen. And then God does even more than that. I feel like he laughed at my plans in the beginning. Said, watch this. Yes, (laughs) that is exactly how Uh I feel. He laughed at it and then he blew it out of the water. But you know what? Tomorrow it could all be gone and for now I'm still in the game and I'm going to keep showing up and watching him do what he's going to do.
0: So when it comes to the birth of the organization and keeping it going, it sounds like it's been all about stepping out and doing the hard things and finding your voice. And you've painted the picture for us with what it looks like for you in doing that. But for those listening now trying to navigate through and figure out life, what would you say to them today?
1: Well, I think for those who haven't yet told their secret, that would be their first step is to find the courage to tell, find someone that you trust and and share your story or, or write it down and then read it out loud Um, is just to get it out. Even if it's not to a person yet, you know, cry and yell it and and cuss. Well, you used (laughs) to tell Michael Jordan. (laughs) That's true. Right? right. Yeah. Like So I had that life size poster of Michael Jordan in my room when I was growing up. And sometimes when my mom wasn't around or, you know, I wasn't in counseling at the time or, you know, anyone that I would talk to about my story, I would I would read my journal entries to Michael Jordan. And he was such a good listener, Mary. Right. <laughs> but that helped you It did because I felt like when I was able to speak it out loud, it wasn't a part of me anymore. So that was always good. Good point. Um, so yeah, I think just because I believe childhood sexual abuse is the best kept secret in our world today, I think the first step to healing is breaking the silence. And so if someone's listening today that has not yet been able to do that, I would say, I get it. I understand. It took me 10 years to tell my secret. It takes a lot of other survivors decades. Um, but I know that overcoming that fear was where my healing began and I, my prayer is that we would all be able to find our voice because we all deserve to heal. And I also am confident that as we each find our voice that other people will find theirs too through Mm -hmm. our story. God helps us to free other people from their chains after he frees us from ours. Just like, um, you know, I write a lot about and I speak a lot about how God really changed my life when I came across that verse, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, that talks about how... He comforts us in our struggles and our troubles so that we can comfort others in any trouble with the same comfort we're receiving from God. And so we've all been through something and our abuse, everyone's abuse looks different and our healing journeys all look different. But as we overcome, as we find freedom from our pain and from our shame and um, we work through all of the baggage in our life, we have all overcome something and I think that God tells us in that verse that he's calling us to reach out to others in whatever way that we can. Matthew 25 says that whatever we do for the least, the last or the lost, we're doing for him. Whatever we don't do for them, we don't do for him. And so you all might not be called to a stage to share your story, or you might not be called to a foreign country. Mm -hmm. um, But no matter where you are, no matter what your profession is, no matter um, who is around you, what what people God's called you to. um, We all can empathize with pain. We all can provide a safe place for people to share their stories or their fears or their struggles. Um, We all have something to give, no matter what lap of your healing journey you're on, no matter what path you might be on right now, whether it's the right one or the wrong one, you always have something to give. You can speak truth to lies that people are believing that maybe you once believed. Um, you can comfort people, you can remind a survivor that it wasn't their fault, just like you probably needed to hear over and over again. Or you can offer compassion. You can accept someone when they've never felt accepted before. You can pray for people. You can encourage. You know, God has equipped us. If you've gone through pain, especially something as deep and traumatic as sexual abuse, you have a wealth to draw from. You can love others in all of the many ways that God has loved you. And you may feel you don't have much to give, but what you do have may be exactly what someone else is desperately searching for. And for those who may feel a passion you know, to use their voice, so maybe you've found your voice, you've shared your story, you've gone through some level of healing in your life, and now you wanna give back. You wanna make a difference for others, but you don't know where to start. Or maybe you feel like your story isn't big enough. I hear that a lot, and I would say, Again, you've been through something and God can use you at any level, however he calls you. So just dream, pray, ask God to awaken inside of you the dreams and the visions and the passions that he would love for you to fulfill. And then just start to look around you and see where he's opening doors. Take the next step. That next step will activate the next step, which activates the next step. Before you know it, you're doing the big thing that you dreamed of doing, but you never thought was possible. And when people tell you you've lost your mind, (laughs) don't back down. (laughs) Believe in your passions and let them continue to excite you, to engage you, bring your friends into the loop, um, network, and um, just never give up. Keep showing up. Nicole,
0: I am, and all of you, and everything you've done—not only just the last 15 years, but just over the course of your life—and I'm thankful that, in just the day to day, that I get to live life out with you and do something like this that um, brings us so much reward and just purpose and life. And I just want to thank you for being who
1: you are. (laughs) Thank you, Mary. (laughs) I couldn't do this podcast without you. And honestly, this is one of my big dreams to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So this has been super fun. And, um, but I also want to throw it back to the listeners as a challenge, um, to them. And, um, if you're listening and you want to be involved more in one voice, you know, you don't want to, start trying to pave your own path. You just want to come alongside what we are already doing, where God's at work within this organization. I just invite you and I challenge you to um, to join us. So a couple of weeks ago was my actual birthday. 29 um, again. Yeah, for the ninth <laughs> time in a row. Yeah, so I turned the big 38. And um, so I did a Facebook Live video on my birthday. It's, it's on our, our Facebook page. If you just type in one voice, together as one word you'll find it. But I was just asking I, I just dream big. you know we just already covered that. <laughs> uh, but I having started this nonprofit, we are doing so much work um, in our own city in our in our nation and on the other side of the world and I'm gearing up for another international mission to reach some of the most at-risk populations of the world that are targeted for um, child sex trafficking. And I would like to get more monthly donors to support this amazing work that we're doing, this very grassroots work, um, and your donations matter. And I'm just simply asking for $15 a month to celebrate our 15 years of existence um, to keep us going. And so I've asked for a hundred donors at $15 a month and we've gotten 10 so far. Hey, ten's <laughs> better than none. You got to start somewhere. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> why you're here, Mary. Thanks for keeping me going. So please, if you, if you feel compelled to give, if you want to support this podcast that we put out for free twice a month, I mean, it would be just wonderful to partner with you in doing so. And you can, and find out more information on that Facebook live video, or you can just sign up directly at our nonprofit website, which is one voice, O-N-E-V-O-I-C-E, the number four, freedom.org. One voice for freedom.org. And just click give. Again? <laughs> really? <laughs> it's we going party,
0: It's shiver,